0: Haunted, but I'm terrified of you See my castle may be haunted But I'm terrified of you I've cast my spell on millions But I'm terrified of you Baby, I do this from the ceiling But I'm terrified of you i wait my whole life To bite the right one A year good girl, no What's happening? You're listening to the Sunspots Comics Podcast, issue number 43, where I talk about all comic book related stuff. I'm going to be going over the 19 comic books that I read for Wednesday, new comic book day, February 24th. But uh, before we get all into that, thank you so much for listening to the show, and I want to quickly mention that we're giving away a comic book mystery box, first ever Sunspots Comics mystery box, valued at somewhere between $75 and 100 bucks worth of comic book fun stuff. I'll give you a little, here is a clue as to some of the things that will be in the box. One first, the first ever clue, Deadpool, that's right. So if you'd like a chance to win this box I would like to very much give it to you That's right, you Just do the following easy things Follow us on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook At Sunspots Comics Then go to iTunes Of course, if you have the iPhone and the iTunes Go to iTunes and give us a 5-star review With a little positive blurb And as a bonus kicker, I will mention and read your review On a future podcast and say thank you to you personally That's right, you And uh, Oh, and before we jump into the show quickly I just wanted to read a listener email we got From Mike at MyHauntLife.com Friend of mine, friend of the show He has a podcast called My Haunt Life Check it out He It goes deep into the world of horror and escape rooms, and he took me to an escape room recently, which this was my first ever. Me and Justin got to go, and it was a whole lot of fun. Thanks again, Mike, for inviting us, and hello to Russell as well, his partner on My Haunt Life. Check that out. But anyway, back to the letter. It says, first off, hey, Chris. Thank you so much for liking and retweeting my podcast. Aw. As you know, I'm a huge fan and listen all the time. I had a small gripe with your latest one. I didn't get a chance to go... to go to the con in Long Beach, so I was super looking forward to hearing you talk about it on your podcast. And you didn't. Based on the pictures you posted, I thought you'd have an episode dedicated to it. Let us live vicariously through you. I also had an idea, and this is pretty cool. I actually like this idea, and I'm going to run with it. Since your podcast is newer, it would be cool to do a back-in-time Piece and read real old comics that came out when you weren't doing the podcast. For example, if you read Walking Dead number one, you could review it, like it, uh, like you would have 10 years ago. Did you like it? Did you think it would last? Things like that. Keep up the amazing work. Mike from My Haunt Life. So check out his podcast and his website my haunt life but very cool suggestion i thought about that and yeah i've only been doing the podcast since may of of 2015 so i i'm gonna take your advice and run with that i think that'd be something fun to do every so often and the comic i'm going to be picking and, and discussing and reviewing and going back in time to review is walking dead number one i'm gonna go with that because i thought i had some interesting pointers and uh, some interesting an interesting look at it and uh, and to look back a little as to what happened in 2003 and that was just a, a piece of pop culture that was an important piece of called co- pop culture if you think about how it changed the world of comic books it changed the world of zombies and and the zombie movies and the zombie genre and it uh, was inter- an interesting take on what happens after in the zombie apocalypse, so uh, very, very cool. So we're going to go ahead and do that right now. We're going to step back into time all the way back to Wednesday, October 23rd. And very cool, because if you th- I looked back into things that happened, news in 2003, like NBC and Universal merged to be NBC Universal. Siegfried and Roy canceled their show after after uh, Roy had been attacked by the tiger that was just that happened right around there Uh, there was some interesting pop culture news like uh, Rush Limbaugh tells people he was addicted to painkillers there was Napster's back remember Napster then they came back all legit with a pay site but uh, looming in the very near Future from that date was a little company called Apple. A little company called iTunes that was just about to come out. Friends was still on TV. That was a big hit at the time. My personal favorite album of 2003 was Speaker Box. The Love Below from Outcast. Me and my friend Daniel sort of stumbled upon that, or he stumbled upon it first and told me about it. I don't remember exactly, but that year for me was all about that album from from Outcast, and I, I loved. The Andre 3000 disc because there was like two discs one from just uh, with the other guy big boy and then the, the they separated they sort of did some songs where they melded together but for me it was all about Andre 3000 it was a very kind of album very much like Prince or Hendrix it was just a little weird and odd and but melodic and interesting and had a little sort of story throughout the entire if you really listen to it it was like a little movie that it was laying out very cool Cheers was still on TV I mean, it was, uh, 2003 was a uh, was a pretty happening, pretty fun, pretty interesting year. Uh, Schwarzenegger, uh, won the candidacy for governor. I mean, uh, CSI was the number one TV show at the time. Friends, number two. ER, number three. Look at TV back then. Scrubs was still on TV. I, I can't believe we're in a world without Scrubs. But it's a thing, right? But, uh, yeah. Oh, and the movies. Kill Bill came out that year. Kill Bill Volume 1. School of Rock, Jack Black. I love both those movies. And from there, it's uh, kind of a trickle down for me. But those are the two big ones that came out in October of 2003. So, anyway, we're gonna we're gonna turn back the clock. We're gonna go back to 2003 and here, where I actually review Walking Dead number one for October 8th, Wednesday, 2003. So here you go. Sorry for the audio quality. Of course, 2003 audio wasn't uh it wasn't where it is now. So here you go. Here's me, 2003 reviewing the Walking Dead number one. But before I do, back to the letter I received. Email I received from Mike at uh, myhotlife.com. Yeah, I know you wanted me to go further into Long Beach Comic Expo. It was a short and sweet con. It was only Saturday, Sunday. I spent probably more than sixty percent of it at the in the in the panels with how to how to create comic books. So it was great. Uh, thanks again for Justin and Mike Norris for hanging out with me. And it was really informative, it was very positive, and I was able to show Zombie Destroyers, my comic, to a few people. They were really excited about the art, thanks again Jordan Hudson, and my elevator pitch of zombie destroyers that people were digging it so it was like it was confirmation it was making me feel really positive and i did pick up some cool stuff and i shared some of it on instagram twitter and facebook at sunspots comics but there are more cons coming mike like WonderCon at the end of march so i'll definitely take more time to explain my experience there but it was a great con it was inexpensive it was a fun fun experience and i really took a lot of great notes on how to make zombie destroyers better so you'll uh you'll reap the benefits of that in the very near future but, uh, there you go. But anyway, here's that back into time. Let's take the, let's, let's wind back the clock to, to Wednesday, October 8th, 2003. Here is my, my old review of a 12 and a half years ago, uh, me reviewing Walking Dead, number one. Here you go. All right. Okay, the tape player is, I pressed record and play, so here we go. Uh, this is, uh, Chris Tory and... It's Wednesday, October eighth, two thousand and three, and I'm going to review a new comic book from Image Comics called *The Walking Dead*. It's *The Walking Dead* number one, uh, by writer Robert Kirkman. I think I, I think he did uh, *Invincible* early this year, uh, which I I've uh, I checked out. I I kind of like that. It's it's pretty good. Um, I, otherwise, I don't really remember him uh, all that well into what he's done. But uh, here we have artist uh, Tony Moore who does the, the penciling, the inking, and the gray tones because it is a black and white comic, which to me is a bit of a bummer. I'm not really into the black and white comics. Uh, but a friend of mine who's very much into, into zombies and monsters said I should give this a try. If he read it and was pretty good so I ran back out to my comic book shop and picked it up and the art is, is, is uh, it's, it's okay it's kind of nice, a little gruesome a little, little dark quickly you go into where the character Rick is a policeman and he's at a, some sort of standoff and he gets shot, his partner yells his name out Rick! and his, uh, his like whole right side rib cage is kind of blown off and then, then he's in a, in a, in a, in a hospital so, weird little twist of time there, just quickly jumps from this standoff into where he's, he's in a hospital. And he awakens with a gasp. And I gotta say, the, the contrasting lines look very nice, very clean art. Especially this splash page of when this uh, character Rick awakens here. And we quickly realize that the apocalypse has hit. And there's no one around, there's no one in this hospital... And the elevator door opens as he's just stumbling around and you get your first glimpse at the what the zombies are going to look like in this world. And man, that's horrifying. Uh, I don't think I want to watch, the, you know, to read uh, this uh, all the time. I, I'm not sure if this is something I'm going to enjoy. Something that's dreadful. I, I tend to read a little more of the hero stuff and you know, from Superman to Batman, to the Flash to Spider-Man, of course, where my heart is. And not so sure about this. It's very kind of realistic feel and sort of very dreadful. And I think they even say the S word in this. I think they swear, which is which is crazy. That's something a little different. So it seems very very adult, very frightening. He's he's bumping into zombies here and there in this hospital, and you can tell by the shabbiness, the the it's it looks like years have passed. That there's no one around and the place is just falling apart. As he steps outside the hospital it's pretty much what you would envision the apocalypse being. It's empty, it's barren, there's no one around. The grass is overgrown, the The land is littered with uh, trash and debris and smashed cars as he walks past and sees what looks like maybe a woman with long hair, this zombie that's sort of it's infused to the ground and there's a bike near this zombie and Rick has this expression on his face which Props to Terry Moore and Art here. Rick really sh- shows his surprise and sadness from seeing this zombie. Almost like he recognizes this zombie, her, him. But you just see the single tear and you don't hear him say anything, so you have to just sort of fill in the blanks there. Kind of interesting. A very quiet sort of moment, but, you know, it really emotes the emotion here. <clears throat> but you don't understand the relationship there. Just a, a tear and he gasps and then he walks on. And I, I think uh, how the panel work is done here, very interesting. He goes from a good mixture of of two to three panels per page to say almost nine and it's it's very interesting the layout, the the use of action here as Rick's hit in the back of the head by a shovel by this small kid, and he the kid assumes he was a zombie and they have to bring him in and realize that he's not and this, this man and his son bring him in and sort of in, a, in, in this page, page 8, they, he breaks down what happened. That there, yeah, that, that, that everything fell, the, the the world just, they don't really explain how the disease hit, but that just everything fell apart and, and this is the way the world is. So, and you can tell that's the focus, less on really what happened and just more of, okay, the apocalypse hit, it's been going on for many years. What what's this guy gonna do? Very interesting. So I'm definitely my interest is peaked. I'm not quite sure on it. It it's uh, very gruesome, as I said, and I I'm not feeling uh, the hope here. It's it's very lack of hope. Uh, there's a little smidge of it, I guess, as he goes. He, he Rick is a sheriff, I guess. It, it looks like maybe they're in the South or something. Doesn't really say what city they're in. And he, uh, him, and uh, the the guy and the son, uh, they which uh, they they help him out and take him back to his his sheriff station. As he puts on his old sheriff outfit and and sheriff hat, he they, they share some weaponry and supplies, and they go their separate ways. And then he comes back to the area with that zombie that's in the ground with the long hair, and he. Still has that very sad look in his face. I think another tear rolling down his eye. But he 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 puts the zombie out of its misery. So he he doesn't explain it. It's not. I wish they would explain that. That's a little frustrating. Why don't they tell us who is that? Is that his mom? Is it his neighbor? Is it who is it? But I've, uh, I I would would have liked that answer. That would have made this a better comic for me maybe. But it is a little bit mysterious and has my interest peaked. And I'm I'm not sure if I'll check out issue number two, but um, I might. We'll see and uh well maybe this is going somewhere i'm not exactly sure but i might check it out again but not usually my kind of comic black and white zombie very realistic feel to it very adult very contemporary not sure if i like that in a comic book but um well there you go there's my review on the walking dead from image comics number one and uh we'll see if that if that goes somewhere but not sure anyway thanks for listening well there you have it that was uh that was an interesting review i i hadn't heard that in so long and I forgot how I really thought about The Walking Dead*. Interesting as to where it is now and my initial thoughts being a black and white comic and on zombies and it just goes to show how tastes can change, how time changes you, how how almost, well, 12 and a half years ago, how different things were, right? And how the world was and just even my taste for comics, how it's changed and evolved. I definitely veer more towards the independent and the adult contemporary themed and to think too that I remember seeing that they said the word the S word in it, and I was like, "Wow, they, you don't see that that much." And they, they swore a few times. I remember them using some language, and it was a little shocking to me. Like, "Oh man, Image is really doing some crazy stuff here," because at the time, uh, no one was really doing all that much. It was fairly clean. But there you go. That was that was a fun look back. I hope you enjoyed that little. Little trip back to the back to the past. Well, now we're back to the future, back to the present, <laughs> and uh, just a quick thank you to my son Justin. You can see him on Instagram at la kings for his work on our blog at blog.sunspotscomics.com. He's doing uh, he reviewed Deadpool just recently, and he went back and watched the Smallville CW TV show and did a review on that. So check out his blog; it's pretty cool. Again, it's blog.sunspotscomics.com and a quick sun, uh, zombie zombie destroyers number 15 update Jordan Hudson is still on vacation in Rome so I'm still taking the time to color which I have pages uh, basically 1 through 4 and I'm still coloring page 1 so <laughs> slow going there since uh, he's on vacation but zombie destroyers is going strong and it looks gorgeous I can't wait to show you uh, his work and check out J- Jor- uh, J- Justin or Jordan Hudson sorry check out his art on, uh, on his Instagram page, Jordan underscore Hudson underscore Art. So check that out. So that's a Zombie Destroyers update. So there are no uh, other articles for me to discuss this week. So we're gonna jump right into my favorite part of the podcast, which is me reviewing comic books. There was nineteen comics that I purchased this week. So yeah, that's a that's an XXL right there. That that cost a good amount of money, over forty bucks, uh, even with my discount for all of the titles that I that I get from my LCS. But this uh, covers New Comic Book Day, February 24th, and spoiler alert, of course, I do re- read these, review them thoroughly, read them three, four times, and then discuss them, so I quite often spoil them, so you're warned now be cautious to move forward if you haven't read these, but I'll try not to give away everything and just give you enough to pique your interest so that it hopefully inspires you to go to a local comic book shop, buy these on paper because I've tried the digital thing I've met, I can mention it all the time, I feel like I'm beating a dead horse there but get them on paper and support your local comic book shop and grab all of these, they were really good. This week actually, all together, we, I had for my picks, uh, seven made it to the top list So of my favorites, picks of the week so I'll we'll be reviewing seven of them and yeah that was below the 50% uh, margin I like to hit with at least 50% of my picks making the top picks and didn't happen so out of 19 only seven and this week a couple of things the art cover winner of the week was Paulo Rivera for Hellboy BPRD one. His cover was amazing. He definitely captured that Norman Rockwell style, and I have to keep looking at it over and over and over again. Of just Hellboy with a bunch of kids, and there's sort of things taped to a a pole here that has people that are missing their dog and stuff. It's just very Norman Rockwell, slice of Americana. Very good for a Hellboy. Any matter of factly any comic book cover it was just gorgeous so check it out I actually posted it on Instagram at Sunspots Comics and favorite art of the week for me Nicola Scott her art on black magic number five was amazing it did make pick of the week so I'll go into that further but it is a black and white sort of darkly shaded charcoaly. Uh, art style that is just gorgeous and dark and brooding and amazing. All of those, her storytelling is told in the eyes, which she draws eyes in such a realistic fashion. You see the emotion there. Such great emotion that Nicholas Scott writes, so that's why she won. Art winner of this week. Gorgeous work. And there were zero number ones. Actually, there was Hellboy BPRD, but that really doesn't count because it's just both just kind of melding two series together and That's the way they do Hellboy and BPRD is short miniseries, so that doesn't really count as a fresh new number one so nothing this week. I think I do have some next week and But basically here we go I'm gonna jump right in last spoiler warning and please buy these seven comic books immediately They're worth your money and worth your time Fantastic reads. I read them all more than once so coming in at number seven is from image comics four eyes number two hearts of fire and This is a art team it's amazing team here. Writer Joe Kelly, artist Raphael Ortiz, colorist Max Fiumara. And this is also a black and white style, kind of charcoal-y in a way, like Nicola Scott, but also a little cleaner, sort of cartoony look. And the they use slight color in this, just accented lightly. I almost want the thing fully colored. I think I've said that before in previous review. But this is about a boy and his dragon. It's kind of how to train your dragon-esque in a little ways. Set back around the time of the Great Depression. And there's an underground dragon fighting club. Fight club. Which you're not supposed to tell anyone about. (laughs) And this boy is thrust into this world. And he is... He has a pet dragon that he's sort of forced into this world. Really has no choice. He's trying to help his family out as well. Make a living. So I think there is that... I like that that conflict with him, whereas he doesn't want to hurt his dragon, but he has to sort of help his family eat and live, and it's a it's a tough, tough world out there, being the time of depression. And he's seeing this underground world, and it's it's literally making him sick. He watches a dragon fight, and they don't... This dragon fight doesn't even go to the death, but he... He goes outside and throws up. So such well-timed-out panel there where he gets disgusted by this fight and then runs outside to throw up, and it's just... It's just the shadowing is gorgeous in that particular scene. You really feel it, like he, the emotion on his face, like he's disgusted, and the artist does a great job of showing that disgust. Hats out, hats off to you on the art there. And the big thing that stuck in my mind here is sort of the fundamental shift in this comic book, which is he is a, a naive, lighthearted kid, and he is he's abused by his sort of stepdad slash employer that his mom has given the blessing to, and this he gets abused he literally gets slapped around he is yelled at and treated horribly the verbal abuse is horrible he's you know telling him he has to do this this is his job period and he's he gets smacked around and it's 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 a uh, it's gut wrenching you know to see him abused that way and then you would think maybe he'd run away he'd rebel no he falls in line so that's 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 the the big twist for me that was a little crazy in this that he doesn't end up taking this this barbed wire whip and start whipping and starts whipping his pet dragon and so he's falling in line and that takes a big turn in this comic so interesting where it's gonna go from here one had a little more heart warm to it this one had a was a bit sad and the kids being abused and then he does fall in line and abuses turns around and abuses his pet dinosaur or, or dragon so what's gonna happen here very interesting well done that's why it's my number seven Number six, uh, from Valiant Comics, Bloodshot Reborn, number 11. And this is where it, it all of a sudden jumped 30 years later into sort of an old man Logan sort of feel to it, where Bloodshot is, the world is, of course, crazy, and Los Angeles is surrounded by this high-tech sort of high walls. And this shows the team around him that's asking him for help, which basically the exo man of war they wipe this team out and all that's left is an old man ninjax who is the sort of ninja assassin with high-tech weaponry as well and he needs bloodshot's help and so it's a little bit of a flashback into what happens to the world and the exo man of, of war sort of take out all of the mutants if you will uh, people with with powers and all that's left is ninjax so he has to find bloodsport and ask for help when Bloodsport took that tanker to go get water for his village, uh, to, uh, he leaves the love of his life, Magic, which he does so often. He's an old man, but then he, his nanites turn him back into, into Bloodsport. You know, which Bloodshot doesn't age, so he makes himself look old for his the love of his life. Magic is her name, so that they can look equal to each other. And when he comes back to the village, yeah, spoiler, they're all decimated, and Magic is is dead. And uh, that look on his face of anguish was drawn so well. Props to artists, By the way, I forgot to give give the team away. I know Jeff Lemire is writing this. Fantastic writing. Artist Louis Larosa, and very realistic style. That look of anguish when magic dies. Ah, oh, you have to just put your eyes on it. It's it's devastating, but well done. So that lights the fire, of course, and he's gonna join Team Ninjax and. Bloodshot and Ninjax are gonna find out and go to Los Angeles, find if uh, maybe the Exo Man of War is is doing this and wiping out other uniques or mutants, whatever you want to call them in the Valiant universe, (laughs) people with powers, but I love it. It has a very much uh, Mad Max feel to it, and in the back they show the process, the penciling, the inking, the coloring process, very cool, very nice little director's cut of a comic book, so... Very well done, Well, very well colored, and very realistic looking. So check out, that's why I made my number six pick of the week, Bloodshot, number 11. Coming in at number five is from Image Comics as well, Ted McKeever's Pencil Head. What doesn't kill you leaves horrible scars. <laughs> the cover shows our, our Pencil Head character, Pool, which I think is his name, fighting off like a zombie, like a, like a Marvel zombie horde. And I love it that the, the bottom is a, most, a mostly true five-issue series about the whacked-out world of comics. And that's exactly what makes this comic unique. It's a glimpse into the comic book creation process. He's a comic book creator. He got into a, into a thing where he was at a strip club with a friend. And part of his hamburger went down the stripper's throat and killed her from choking. Here is a, a, a strange ragtag group of detectives. Just putting it together that it was an absolute accident. So they're not really chasing after him anymore for the potential death of a stripper. Via hamburger. <laughs> and he loves to name all these characters in a really crazy way. Um, and he draws them as such. Like the main detective, his nickname is Dickhead. And he kind of looks like an actual Dickhead. And he has there's graffiti on the wall that says Captain Dickhead. <laughs> and um, even our main character, Poodwaddle. He just loves weird names, and everyone has a weird name, so I don't want to blow them all and spoil them all. But there's an in-depth page here of showing him at the art table, which explains how little sleep he gets, how he starts to hallucinate, how his characters come to life on his table, literally. And he starts to see these strange, sort of monstrous beings from the building across the way. Is he working too much? Is he really seeing that? Uh, He wipes his eyes, and he's like, wow, some kid in a Halloween costume, kind of early for Halloween. So there's a lot going on in this and it looks like he finished his other comic and he's going to work for Marvel like they They poke fun at Marvel here and show sort of an Avengers wall And they tell him pick anything you want and write on any of these and so they're not painting the happiest picture of him working at this Marvel industry like company So it's a poke in the eye thumb to the eye to the big two in this because and everyone has the most massive codpiece Of all these (laughs) Marvel slash DC characters that are on this wall of justice that they want him to work with. And then he gets to be introduced to an interesting sort of group. (laughs) Comic book people. They all have their own strange names. Shlo- Shlomo Bambola is a guy that he meets. Tesla uh, Lothrop. I mean, he just goes... Each and every character gets a weirder and weirder name. And he is trying to fit in with the group, and he's sitting in a conference room. Some guy tells him to get out of the conference room, and he has some words with him, and of course, it's the owner of the Marvel company. So, there's a lot of drama in it, comic book world-related drama, and you see the evil character that you're introduced looking at him through a window uh, step out of the skin of the dead stripper, and it looks like a penis head monster. Uh, and more happens here, I, that's only 10%. There's a lot happening, a lot of drama, a lot of strange, a lot of weird. Black and white comic with a very sort of comic strip-like feel to it uh, with an adult twist. And it has a very, a, a much, a very sort of, uh, like a the comedic language in this is, is very sarcastic. So I dig it. So if you like that, pick up Pencilhead. That's why. Pencil Head number two was my number five pick of the week from Image Comics, so check that out. And that's Ted McKeever, by the way. Uh, creator, writer, illustrator. Way to go, Ted. Coming in at number three is Venom. Or I'm sorry, uh, number four. Venom Space Knight number four from Marvel Comics. And this art is gorgeous. Robbie Thompson's the writer, Ariel Olivetti, who's won artist of the week or cover of the week in the past recently. Art is gorgeous. This is just a fun sci-fi romp. It's exactly what I needed. It wasn't so heavy or heady. It was just fun. A sci-fi romp. His 803 suicidal computer that he travels with is hilarious. The the robot always just wants to die and asks for that sweet release of death. And here is our Flash Thompson having a conversation with his Venom suit. So it's been cleansed? So it no longer wants to kill everything, I guess, in this cleansing? Again... Marvel continuity, just put it aside, enjoy the sci-fi action. But yeah, he's having a a, a nice conversation with his Venom suit, but I thought it was interesting and haunting, because of the way the Venom suit looks, teeth, tongue, liquid suit. But he has a pleasant conversation with it, and says, and the Venom suit tells him that he can't stay this way for very long, can't talk for very long. Maybe in the future he'll have more energy to sort of be a separate entity. Flash Thompson has the robotic legs now, and so he is is a little le- less re- reliant on the Venom suit. And so it's like the Venom suit's lonely and has to pop out and talk to him. So that was interesting. That was a twist. And they're being chased by this panda pig creature that is adorably, hilariously strange to look at. But he definitely, the writer even, lays it out that way. That he doesn't want to punch it because it's kind of adorable. But then he takes 803 and splits 803 in half with a giant roar and the robot says at last sweet release and then binary one one zero one 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 zero one 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 probably actually equates to death I didn't I don't have a binary decoder ring handy but I bet you it does <laughs> and so he's also because of his space good deeds that he's doing he has this evil character sort of in the in the shadows looming after him And as he's fighting the panda creature, which has been, which we come to find out, the panda creature has—it's a a woman that had her panda creature child taken from her, and was forced to go after and kill Venom. Well, now they're part of a team. But then this crazy alien saucer—see, just all the sci-fi fun—zaps them with a ray that knocks them unconscious, puts them in a gladiator arena. You gotta love that, right? Sci-fi action, punching gladiator arena with all these heavy duty musculars, muscles upon muscle and it's just fist to cuffed fun right here happening with venom and this space panda pig <laughs> and there's a, a middle page splash two page two page splash with a, a close up of the venom face and the and the panda pig awesome i want this on a shirt with sort of the sun in the background very sunspots comic coloring yellow orange red i need it so Marvel, put this on a shirt right away. I'll buy it. But that's all I really need to say about this. It is just sci-fi fun, gorgeously drawn, in a super sort of hyper kind of Alex Rossi feel to it because it's just all so finished and polished. Has to take forever. This must have taken a year, and they're just releasing it to us slowly. But very good um, Ariel Olivetti on art. Fantastic writing. Robbie Thompson. Just fun sci-fi action. Keep going. I'm in. Put this on your pull list. It's fantastic. Number three. Now we're into the breaking into the top three, is by Image Comics. Chew number fifty-five. This is ending at number sixty, and I don't want it to end this has been just consistently fun and wacky and a million little things written on the background that you have to read you have to read all the little signs little things on doors the little writings and on wrappers that blow away in the wind the 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 painstaking little detail to humor and little zingers on everything in the background you have to pay attention you have to to second read it i i with chew i go through it once read the dialogue slightly look at the pictures Second time around, pictures only. Third time around, background, and all the jokes on all the little wrappers, and on the walls, and on on picture frames, and the refrigerator, and the wall. So this starts off where you think the love of his life is killed, and Amelia is what you think is dead, and it looks like uh, Savoy is the person that has been in and out of Tony Chu's life. It looks like he killed Amelia. Well, not the case. Thank goodness. I was kind of ready to just throw this, I would have stuck with it, let's be serious, but killing a major, killing Tony's sort of wife slash girlfriend, I think they're married, I'm not sure, but the love, his love of his life here, It, it would, that would kind of go against the whole tone of this, but it does have that serious edge at times, but, so Savoy decides to ingest everything there is to do with the, the weird alien skywriting that popped up in issue number one, and that changed the world and made the avian flu kill kill millions of people including what Mason Savoy's wife which he explains some backstory for him here and it is it's well done it, it this always goes between the very funny to this sort of heartwarming to, to a little bit of that seriousness as, the, as a twist there so that it adds a little bit of where you fear for major characters but it's all about the journey for them here and how And food is the main element in this story, so it always makes you think of food. Tony's power, of course, is to chew on things, and he has visions, and it helps him solve crimes and murders. And the funny part is where there is, like, this carrot-headed bad guy in town, and he's uh, looking for to to take over the world or whatever, but they can't really pay attention to him because there's so much more going on with Savoy and Emilia's almost death. Where she actually tells, tells Tony that it, he, it wasn't Savoy that was trying to kill Amelia it was, it was the, the, the egg, uh, the, the the crazy cult, the egg culters, and they stole her notebook, she has the ability to write in notebooks, and where you taste the food, and you, because of her power, everything relates to food powers in this, Well Savoy ingests everything, and the alien chogs, and a bunch of beets, and, and spoiler alert, major one, if you haven't read this, and then hangs himself. So wow, it does take a little dark turn. You're like, whoa, Savoy. And with a sign, a little, a little thing in his jacket that says, eat me. So you're like, okay, well, he knows that Tony can see see visions of uh, people that he chomps on, people that he chews on. So... I think this is seriously well-written in that it's going to take these next five episodes to really wrap everything up. But you think, wow, Savoy must have all the answers, and the only way to get all the answers and wrap this comic book forever, meaning series end over never coming back, is if he chomps on Mason Savoy and begins his final quest. The final answers to, to solve the avian flu and the alien visitors and the chogs is by eating his his rival <laughs> literally so very good well done because I'll be sad when that ends when she ends. but I'll be collecting that that's like a it'll be beautiful omnibus collection hardbound go ahead and do it image you're probably already working on it but anyway number two is black magic number five from image comic as well written by Greg Rucka beautiful gorgeous art winner of the week Nicola Scott thank you Nicola for your gorgeous art and she's also black and white charcoal style page one is interesting how they mention the city of Whittier I'm sure there's probably other cities of of Whittier, but uh, that's where a lot of uh, my in-laws, my family, people I know live in Whittier. Pretty crazy. That page one, Nicola Scott mentions that. I know she's Australian, so I'm sure there's other Whittiers besides Whittier, California. But interesting, that that's right on page one, panel one. But this is the main character spending time with her partner. The two cops hanging out at home. Uh, Our main character, uh, Rowan, uh, the woman, is the she's a detective but also in this witch coven which you don't really know is it good or bad witch coven In the previous issues remember she was called into a hostage situation and she used magic to destroy the enemy and the enemy sort of he's with another cult that's coming after her cult so like two warring witch clans well this is just partner relationship development here with rowan and her the guy partner she's partners with And it's just setting this lovely home tone. He has a wife that's pregnant, and they're setting up a baby room, and you're really getting some character development here, which scares me. Uh, in this world, where this witch, this, this two witch covens are battling. And so that's just that nice, it's a nice, positive, hopeful glimpse. I really like that. Written well, fantastic. Gives you a positive feeling. And then you're into this character that's must be of the other of the other witch i think he's of a third party now he is trying to stop all this witch nonsense from going on so in another cult that's responsible for sort of stopping witch like actions and happenings and he's going to, like, a witch bookstore to see what's happening in the witch world in this town. So, he's making it very obvious that he's peering into the witch world and trying to figure out what's going on. And he has, like, two people in this sort of layer with computers that are helping him researching, uh, research what he's doing and investigating. And maybe they're part of the government. You don't really know. But they're looking into these two warring witch clans. And now Rowan's, like, best friend slash sister. This is the key part of this comic. So, again, spoiler alert. ...is Rowan tells her witch-sister friend... ...I'm not sure if they're really related, but, you know, they're in this coven, so... ...to imbue some sort of witch-like spell on a lighter that she stole from evidence... ...so that people don't see the evidence or don't see that she stole it. But ultimately, then, this sister's in a beautiful garden, which is just drawn so lovely... ...in this, uh, this sort of well, this with-with some sort of magically imbued well and she's attacked the the sister is attacked by this horrible looking witch which in the eyes is just this demonic look and the the use of color for the glowing yellow eyes yellowish orange fantastic it's just slight but the facial emotions of this witch attacking her they're in this full-on brawl and the sister coven again of Rowan's sister is crossing her fingers and doing like a spell where you can see the sort of pink entrails of magic power and she's getting her ass kicked here uh, she's just getting attacked and sliced and torn apart and Ruin's coming to the house but there's a spell protecting the house but she sort of says the secret password and the house lets her in and to see you think that they're just brawl because they're punching and elbowing and kicking but her sister is just kneeling on the ground standing there as these scars pop up on her face and blood starts dripping from her so she's just kneeling taking this fight so it's like in a spirit sphere if you will as where the fight is really taking place and she's trying to awaken her and, and shaking her and she's just getting sliced and these new cuts just form on her face and it's brutal I was like uh, it was a very tense brutal moment. I'm getting the chills talking about it and Rowan can't do anything to help her so she just dunks her face in this well tank with that's imbued with some magic power and and <laughs> and she sort of does a spell on her on her policeman's badge and her and her weapon and then she's able to see this spirit sphere that she was in in this brutal fight and this other witch that's attacking her sister and What she does to her with uh, by when she shoots her you have to see that panel I may have to just post this on Instagram, but with her magically imbued bullet and her magically imbued detective badge and saves the day saves her sister uh, Sister witch coven sister from a most definite death and then you're introduced to who's behind this and who's part of the other coven that's coming after them and man there are monsters and demons and spirits and evil looking eyed characters and just a rogues gallery of hatred and evil monsters that looks amazing like a satanic witch cult and I gotta say looks with all the glowing yellowish orange eyes it's just fantastic and they're just and it was ultimately a test of rowan's powers and they're like she's ready and that person is uh, this new character is kind of a bridget nielsen in her day like from rocky 4 you know very russian very chiseled face woman with very short hair uh just gruesome looking beautifully drawn so fantastic it was almost my number one it was a, again ta- cross between This being the number one as well, but I loved it. And Black Magic is a comic you have to get. Go buy it immediately. Black Magic number five from Image Comics. That was my number two. And number one, or other number two, or the the other half of the number one (laughs) from Image Comics is the Goddamned issue number three. When I I was talking it out loud to Patsy about who my pick was going to be, and I kept saying the Goddamned out loud, it just made her laugh. She's like, it's just weird to hear you walk around the house saying Goddamned, Goddamned. But I, I uh, There you go glimpse into the process I talk out loud when I review my comics and figure out what's gonna be the number one pick and how I what's better than the other to give Them that top pick. I really do Seriously take a lot of time in that in in a, in a weird way I'll have to record that one day and like put it on YouTube or something But anyway, maybe that won't be interesting who knows but this is a glimpse into sort of Adam and Eve right off the bat And this was just messed up <laughs> the art uh, by the way the team uh, Jason Aaron uh, from Southern Bastards and so many other things, he's just like—he's the writer of the of the last few years. He's just doing such amazing work and doing a little of everything, right? Jason Aaron, just beautiful. And uh, art by R.M. Guerra, gorgeous. So this is Adam and Eve on this beautiful sort of mountainy hill with their two sons, Cain and Abel, hating each other <laughs> with a passion. Eve says, "F you." The snake was more man than you are, you dickless coward. (laughs) Oh, man. So you're like, okay, Adam and Eve just hated the crap out of each other. And there's a layout of where they're speaking to Cain and Abel, saying, This can all be yours, with this gorgeous landscape layout. From this sort of godlike view of paradise. Of Earth in its early, untouched clean. And then you go right into the dirty, where, again, you can smell the stink of this comic. It's the earth they paint the picture of is gruesome and dark and bloody and and poopy and (laughs) but the art is gorgeous and Kane has decided to help this woman find her son. That's ultimately what this story is about. So simple. And they're on the road to try to find this kid who Kane saw in an earlier comic. And he's not so sure he wants to do this. He is like this sort of Beaten down, not so happy sort of character, and you sort of the the, the way he he writes that here, it's it's very well evoked. It's you see from his facial expressions, he just sort of kind of wants to die and wants this all to be over with, and is tired of the stink and the mess of this earth and the sins that these people are creating. This Old Testament kind of story, and. You're even shown a glimpse into what Cain, what happens with Cain and Abel, and you know Cain destroys his brother, and so he's miserable. He's he's torn by this. He's sort of tortured. He, he he he's immortal. He can't really die. He's like punished to be on Earth, and see all these sins of man. So it has this sort of, for me, this religious undertone. Uh, it brings back Catholic, you know, some of the the Catholic influence. Early on in my younger, 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 younger years, and so it, it has a, a, a hint of that, a tinge of it. Of wow, this is a, sort of a biblical tale, but in a, in, in a gruesome way. So you're you're shown now where the where the child is in this camp that he's in, and it's just disgusting. There's there's poop everywhere. There's there's these animals in cages, and they're feeding them human body parts. I mean, it is just grotesque and. ...full of nastiness, and he's even being bullied by the other kids, like... ...it couldn't be bad enough where he's like whipped and told to feed these gruesome animals, human body parts... ...but then he's bullied by other kids in this thing, just to... ...an additional kick him while he's down. So, he doesn't look like he's gonna hang on there very long, they're setting a, a definite tone here of... ...they gotta hurry on this little road trip, Kane and this woman, or this boy's not gonna be around... ...they're just gonna find remnants of him in the uh, animal cages, I'm sure. So, Cain and the woman finally find the camp. And Cain is all about the direct approach. He's not real sneaky. He feels he's an immortal. He's very... He's bold. He's brash. Even when he fights, he sort of just takes his clothes off. Which is crazy. Um, He even... Before they find the camp, there's sort of these marauders that are kind of going to come after them, you can tell. With these green glowing eyes at night. And he scares them off by just standing... He takes all his clothes off and just stands there and just just puts his arms out and they just go that they didn't say anything but like that guy must be crazy let's just leave and they turn around and go (laughs) so think nudity can scare you away in this in this world it's weird but so as they go into the camp they're able to kind of get in and the wife the wife the lady is is looking for her son and then you see this sort of giant behemoth of a man coming and the look on his face is just like finally he even says that finally like Finally what? Like, finally a challenge? Uh, or finally the sweet release of death? You, you That could go both ways. Maybe it's a little of both. But, yeah. Is Cain going to save the day? Is Cain, is Cain going to help this woman save her child? Or it just has this sense where it can just all go bad because of how it's it's depicted in this. And it's interesting. It's very, like I said, a, a gruesome, disgusting, biblical tale Of uh, they have to save the day and save this child and it's it's I gotta tell you it's it's definitely feels uh, bold and maybe a bit risky in a way to tackle this sort of subject but I love it it is definitely interesting Jason Aaron doing some of the best writing in comics right now that's why it's my number one pick of the week the goddamned issue number three before the flood so check all those out good stuff right and in closing uh, that's our show. Thank you very much for listening. In closing, please email me Chris at sunspotscomics.com if you have a suggestion. Maybe you want a personal comic book recommendation. Just write me, and I will mention if I do mention you on a, on uh, your email on a podcast. I will send you a free comic book prize. So very good. And, and again, last thing, of course, don't forget to enter in in the first ever Sunspots Comics mystery box Con, Mixed, mystery box contest. Just follow us on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook at Sunspots Comics, and then do the five star review thing on iTunes and give us a positive. Review. plus i'll even read your review on a future podcast so there you go please buy those comics at a local comic book shop thank you so much for listening i hope i inspired you to buy some actual paper comics go to a local store there's plenty of stores in your area they are just just go online and look up comic book store you'll find them they're everywhere and uh oh and last thing uh, just to mention it's a happy birthday to superman i know the uh the 29th of february is superman's birthday uh, so at least I think it's a 29 But anyway, happy birthday to Superman <laughs> So anyway, there you go And uh, don't forget, uh, they're just hang in here I'm going to put a little fun audio blurb If you like fun audio blurbs And uh, maybe an Easter egg, you never know But thanks again for listening, appreciate it Have a good one, bye-bye uh, I bet I could Fry an egg on your head right now if I wanted to kiddo I'd like to believe you're aware enough even now to know that there's nothing sadistic in my actions maybe towards those other jokers but not you no kiddo At this moment, Uh, this is me and my most masochistic. Well, it's your (laughs) baby.